the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL.com and on the WFIL app. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. Thank you for tuning in. Happy Monday. A couple minutes after four, forecast, some sunshine the rest of the afternoon, breezy, 67 the high, clear and chilly tonight, low 44, tomorrow sunny, a high of 73. Phil's lost to Toronto, 6-3 yesterday, Alec Bohm, a couple of hits in the loss, they're at Washington this evening at 6.05, with Zach Wheeler on the mound, Eagles lost 37-19 to the Rams, tonight in Monday Night Football, it's the Saints at the Raiders at 8.15. Today I'm very um, excited to bring to you a friend of mine who's been on the program a number of times before, but uh, we have him for a little longer than usual, and it's good because he's got a lot to talk about. He has a lot of things I think you'll find interesting, and um, including his testimony, which we'll get into in a little bit. But uh, his name is Rob Motti, and he is the head writer for the Associated Press for those Phillies and Eagles I just mentioned there a moment ago. Been doing it for a lot of years. How you doing, Rob? Welcome to the show, man. Hey, Timmy. How are you? Happy Monday. You too. Always a pleasure to have you on. And over the last couple of years we've been doing this show, you've joined us a number of times. And uh, during those conversations, which have, we've touched on a lot of different things, uh, you know, it's always been good. But today we actually have you for a little longer so we can kind of elaborate on some of the stuff we've chatted about before. And also specifically one of the books you've written, Football Faith, which we're giving away with the radio station over the next couple of weeks. So first things first, just for context, for folks, maybe this is the first time they heard the radio station. You are the uh, head writer for the Associated Press, for the Eagles, and for the Phillies for 20 years now, right? 20-plus years? Yeah, this is uh, year 21, which just means I'm getting old. <laughs> well, there's there's that. There's the reality show part of your life that you've had. You've also hosted a program called Faith on the Field, written a number of books, including the book uh, Football Faith, which we're going to talk about. And beyond all that, or most importantly, I know that being a, a husband and a dad and a child of God is uh, high on the list, uh, the highest on the list, really. So I know that, that perspective will come out as we have our conversation today. That said, quick sports thing. Yesterday, not a banner day in Philly sports. Phillies lose, Eagles lose. You cover them both. So double dose yeah. of, <laughs> you have a little ice cream to help yourself through those to- those tough times? <laughs> oh, my goodness. No. <laughs> Sundays I allow myself a little bit of sugar, but I didn't have any ice cream yesterday. Yeah. It's different. Everything's different in the press box, the way we are spaced out. I got to give the uh, the team's credit, Timmy. They're doing a, a great job in this era of COVID, uh, socially distancing porters and, and all the media and, yeah. and still providing us bottled water. The Eagles had actual lunch and, and food for everybody yesterday. So everybody's doing a good job. It, it's certainly different, though, and it's strange without the fans. That's the, the most odd thing is being at these games without any fans. You've had the chance to cover both the Eagles and the and the Phillies in person, and they're piping in noise or whatever. Just take a second, share about that aspect for the you know fans who wish they could go to a Phillies game or to an Eagles game and, and really can't. What's it like? 
it's quieter. It's much quieter in baseball because windows are open. We hear the players at times, whatever they're shouting, whenever they're screaming. Sometimes some of the teams, they, and it, it kind of is maybe the younger teams that arise, like the Miami Marlins when they were in town. You could see their dugout was similar to like a little league in high school where the guys were all up and cheering and, and rooting on their players. So it's pretty cool because you don't normally get to hear that kind of thing. And then you hear the reactions and sometimes the uh, the four-letter words that shouldn't be said. But <laughs> yeah. you hear all that. So that's different with baseball. And football, because we're a little higher and the windows are closed, obviously we're isolated. Now, all the NFL teams have – the similar decibel level that they're allowed to pipe in. It was interesting that the Eagles decided yesterday that they would also pipe in some boos, and they booed their own team <laughs> after an incomplete pass in the second quarter led to a punt, which quickly was the punt that was uh, there was the fumble on it, and, and they recovered and allowed them to get back in the game. But I, I thought I heard a little bit of booze, and then I, I look on social media, and, and everybody's talking about how even the Eagles' <laughs> sound system booed their own team. So that's pretty interesting. That's very funny. That's very funny. Well, from that perspective, you know, obviously uh, things are different now, and, and the chance to, uh, you know, watch these games, I, I, I was thinking on the baseball side, is it like – Almost, uh, you know, one of the things Rob has done in his lifetime also is play softball on our church softball team where you're playing competitively, you're playing intensely, but you look up and there's nobody really watching except, you know, a couple of kids or your wife or something. A few people are there compared to just like the, the, the pro athletes are playing and there's no one really watching. But the competitive nature, I'm thinking, is still very strong and uh, and almost like a, like a, a pickup softball game. Is there what's the from what you can tell the dynamic for the players as far as still being super competitive, making you know their money and all that, and and these stats count, and they want to be in the playoffs, but at the same time, that whole other piece of it that's missing, the very important piece of the fans, is just not there. I think for baseball, it's not as much of a factor as it is in football. Okay. In, in baseball, the crowd, I don't know how much they make an impact. And at the Phillies games, you know about there's the pandemic crew, that group of guys, uh, a great group of guys, Brett, Oscar, and a, and a bunch of other people who are outside blowing air horns. So you do get some sound at the Phillies games. Yeah. I do think where there is a big-time factor is there is no longer a home field advantage in the NFL. Where you look at a week one game where Aaron Rodgers goes into with Green Bay and they go into Minnesota – and they're able to draw the Vikings offside uh, with his hard count in Minnesota, which would never happen right. if it were uh, there were fans there booing and, and being all rowdy. And I do think some of the Eagles players felt that the lack of intensity that they get from the fans because it's a link. It is a big-time home field advantage. So right. I do think it's a factor definitely in the NFL where and obviously there are some teams that are allowed to have a certain amount of fans in the stadium but the teams that don't have any they lose they really do lose that home field advantage Rob Motti is our guest on the Tim DeMoss show today he's the head writer for many years for the Phillies and for the Eagles for the Associated Press covered a lot of other sports has his own radio show many other things we want to chat about during the hour today including his testimony, how God really got a hold of him. We'll jump into that next after this quick break on the Tim DeMoss Show 
AM560, WFIL.com, and on the WFIL app. You're listening to a podcast of The Tim DeMoss Show, heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM560, WFIL, and at WFIL.com. AM560, WFIL.com, and on the WFIL app, you're listening to The Tim DeMoss Show. Thank you for tuning in. Our guest today on the program, Rob Motti. He's joined us before, and he's on with us today for a little longer, which I'm glad for, a chance to jump into a number of things. The impetus for this is we're actually giving away his book called Football Faith, 52 NFL Stars Reflect on Their Faith as football season's underway here. You can get uh, entered for that right in our contest and surveys page at WFIL.com. Uh, but in addition to that, the writing he does for the Phillies, for the Eagles, for the Associated Press, his own radio show called Faith on the Field, and many other things, none of that matters and is even possible, really, without the Lord getting a hold of you the way he did. So I've known you for 15, 16, 17 years now, right on the time our daughter Tori was born, 2006. And um, why don't you just take it from there and share uh, about how God really did get a hold of you and, and what he means to you and how that plays out in your everyday life. Well, Timmy, I, I tell people my story is one of being a fan follower and then a disciple. And by that I mean I grew up in uh, as a fan of Christ, going to Catholic schools for 12 years. I grew up in South Philadelphia, the son of Palestinian immigrants, and I was a very religious person. I would go to church and, and do everything. I would follow all the rituals and traditions and recite the same prayers over and over, but as a fan of Christ, I, I did my thing, I made mistakes, I went to confession, and I got to start all over. So I got married a year after becoming the AP's lead Philly sports writer, and I started hanging out with some of the athletes on the Philly teams, and I would go to bars and clubs, and pretty soon I got caught up acting single when I wasn't, and that eventually led to a breakup and a divorce, and even though at the time I promised myself, oh, I would never do that again. I'm not going to be that kind of guy. That pattern of behavior continued through a couple more relationships. And during that time where, you know, you and I got to know each other and you invited me to play on the softball team and I would come to those games and I would see you guys and you would do Bible studies. And, and I didn't realize at the time, but God was planting people in my life. And you were really, those seeds were being planted through you and through some of those guys. And uh, I, I, I never forget in 2007 covering the Phillies, or 2009 actually, covering the Phillies, Dodgers, NLCS. And in between games, I had a free afternoon and I'm sitting in, remember the old white Hummer that I had? And I had this yes. old white Hummer. Yes. I'm sitting to me outside. Uh, the tattoo parlor, and I'm going in to get another tattoo. And all of the ones I have are religious symbols because, you know, subconsciously maybe I thought I can ink my way to heaven. <laughs> and <laughs> you, you were having a conversation on the phone, and we spoke for 45 minutes. I'm in the car, and you introduced me to Ephesians 2, 8 to 10, where Paul talks about not being saved by the works that we do, but being saved by grace. And that was the first time anyone introduced me to that Bible verse. So mm. as a fan of Christ, even though I knew all the stories, Timmy, even though I went to church on Sundays and I've said the prayers and everything else, I didn't really study the Bible. I didn't really dive into it. I didn't tackle it. And it still took a couple more years, but you were planting those seeds in my life. And and then finally in 2010, uh, I had another breakup. Uh, I was in a relationship for five years. And 
I became single for the first time since I was 19, like officially single, where I, I could have, you know, guilt-free uh, going out and partying and doing all that. So what I did was I, I celebrated or you could say drowned my sorrows, whatever it is, for 36 straight days. I, w- I went out 36 mm. straight days. I, I, I look back now and go, maybe I was trying to break Joe DiMaggio's record, <laughs> but uh, yeah. I, I couldn't do it through hitting. So maybe <laughs> I was doing it by partying. But I, I never I never did any drugs in my life. I never smoked a cigarette in my life. I don't really like alcohol. My vice was I was into hooking up. I was a womanizer. And I remember covering game six of the 2010. It was the Stanley Cup finals. And normally when they would play Lauren Hart and Kate Smith doing their rendition of God Bless America, it would move me to tears. Well, I'm in the first period of the game, and I'm crying because I, at that point I felt so empty. I was unfulfilled. I, I knew um, what I was doing wasn't what God really wanted for me. And I finally met a woman who was different than anyone I knew, and she invited me to a church with her, and I didn't want to go because all I knew was the Catholic Church. And I said, well, what is this church? And she said, it's called Times Square Church. It's in New York. It's uh, non-denominational. And I, I'm thinking, well, if I want this relationship to get anywhere, maybe I should give this a, a try. <laughs> yeah. So I, I go I go to Times Square Church, and man, it was so different. It was it was just, I, it, now I look back and I go, it was the the power of the Holy Spirit was moving, and I went there a couple times, and I would hear testimonies, and I would hear th- it was it was really unlike anything I'd ever experienced in my life. And I'm like, wow, th- this is what it's you know it's not following the same thing, repeating the same prayer. There's there's a meaning to having a relationship with the Lord. It's not about following a religion and man-made rules. There's meaning to this, and in between the second and third time we went to this church together, she said to me, you and I want to have a relationship. God sent me to prepare you for your next one. And, and Timmy, I thought like, wow, okay, so I've invested some time into this, but I might as well start looking because uh, I need to look for someone else if I want to settle down, get married, and, and, and have kids eventually. So I decided I was going to go to church with her one more time, and it was August 29, 2010, and I'll never forget it because I'm sitting there, and, and Times Square Church is like an old theater, so I'm sitting way up in what you would call the nosebleed section, Yeah, and and, and I hear um, a man give his testimony, and he was a drug dealer, he said. He previously, he was a drug dealer, he was caught in a drug bust, and the cops took the stash of drugs that he had, threw it in the sewer, and this particular uh, police officer said, I'm going to give you a second chance at life. And the guy said he ran off, never sold drugs again, became clean, he turned his life around, he entered a life of ministry. And he said for him, that cop was Jesus Christ in disguise. And, and I, the, the, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit was stirring inside me as this was happening, as I was listening. And when the pastor the church did an altar call at the end of the service, I really felt that spirit pushing me to go down and, and surrender my life. And I was sitting up there in the nosebleed section thinking, oh, wow, what are people going to think of me? What are they going to, what kind of person do they think I am that I'm walking down asking for help and all this? But um, the girl who was with me said, if you want to go, I'll hold your hand and I'll walk you down there. And she did. And I walked to the front of that church and I blocked everything out at that moment, and I just cried out to Jesus, and I told him, I need you to come into my heart. I need you to enter my life and help me be the man that I was created to be. And at that moment, Timmy, at that moment, I felt an incredible weight 
that was lifted off my shoulders. Like I had been carrying this burden for years. And when I said that, when I surrendered like that, it was Jesus telling me this burden was his. And I wasn't going to have to leave him at church anymore and go do my thing and come back once a week for 45 minutes. I was going to take him everywhere with me. And that in moment in my life is what I say I went from the fan of Jesus to being a follower. It didn't make me perfect. It didn't make all my troubles go away. But now I had Jesus at the center of my life. So when you have Christ as your foundation and you become a new person, it means you're going to have to get rid of old friends. You're going to have to get rid of old habits, old ways, old everything. You're a new man. You're a new person. You're a new being. You're created in Christ. So it took some time. I mean, I'm not going to say overnight like that, instantaneous. It took some time, but he kept working on me, and he kept pushing me, and the relationship kept growing, and eventually that relationship that I had with that woman dissolved very quickly, just as she had predicted, and I met Remy a few months later, and she was also early. She was early in her journey with the Lord, and we fell in love, and she's been the greatest blessing. We got married, and you mentioned the reality TV that we did. There was purpose behind that, too, but I don't think we have enough time to get into it, and then a year later— we're blessed with twin daughters, Alexia and Melina. So we kept growing in our faith, kept walking with the Lord, kept learning, kept reading the Bible together. It really, it really is amazing to consider what God has done. Uh, I want to take a quick break, keep our conversation going. I want to hear more of the story for folks just tuning in. Rob Motti is our guest, longtime writer for the Associated Press, for the Phillies, for the Eagles. He's done many other things. He's also written a book called Football Faith, and with football season here, wanted to give copies of that away. So go to our contest and surveys page at WFIL.com. Get entered to win that. We'll keep our chat going in just a second on WFIL. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560 WFIL and WFIL.com. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Thank you for tuning in. Sunshine the rest of the afternoon into the evening, down to 44 with clear skies tonight. Plenty of sun tomorrow, a high of 73. Phil's lost to Toronto yesterday. They're at Washington tonight at 6.05, entering their final week of play, and they're hoping to get themselves in the playoffs. They're in good position, but not clinched anything yet. Seven games to go. Eagles lost 37-19 to the Rams. And then Monday night football tonight, it's the Saints against the Raiders at 8.15. Speaking of Phillies and Eagles and sports and stuff, our guest today on the program, Rob Motti. He has covered both the Phillies and the Eagles and many other sports, but he's the head writer for the Associated Press for a couple de- decades now. Uh, for the Eagles and for the for the uh, Phillies. And his book out we're giving away called Football Faith, which you can go to our contest and surveys page and win. We're telling much more than the football side of things, though. We're going to get into the book in a bit. Uh, but you're talking about how God got a hold of you before the break, including up until meeting your wife and God blessing you with daughters and growing in your faith. And then... And then I was invited to join a prison ministry softball team uh, by a friend of mine. And, and we go to prisons, we play softball, we talk about the work that Jesus did in our lives, and the first time I had an opportunity to share, we were in a prison in West Virginia, it was a rainy day, we were playing Timmy against inmates who didn't even have cleats or sneakers, so talk about a competitive advantage, right? (laughs) Um, It's pouring rain, and we finish the game, and we go out into the left field bleachers because there's like an overhang, and now we can be protected from the rain. I'll never forget, because they called on me, it was my time, and you know going in who's going to be sharing that day. And uh, I I just prayed. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to deliver it. I didn't know what it was going to be. The Holy Spirit filled me with the words. And 
and I, I shared my story from the from the heart. And man, when I saw the reaction of those inmates, when I saw grown men cry, when I saw them surrender their life to the Lord because we we invite them to do so, I knew that my purpose in life was to be more than a follower of Christ, but to be a disciple for the Lord. And by that I mean, go out spread the gospel, be bold and share and use the mess of your life and make that a message and, and take the test and turn that into a testimony. So fan, follower, disciple, and that's been my story. So I come home a few years later, because that was like 2014, and now it's 2016, and I come home, it's my third year with the team. We just did a crusade in Ohio. And that was like 12 prisons or so, five days, play 25 softball games. And they're very, some of them are very competitive. Some of these teams are really good. Some of them really have cleats, uniforms, everything. And, and they can hit us around and, and beat us up pretty good. But that particular trip, I'm not sure, the, whatever reason it was, I, I got to share my testimony several times throughout in different prisons. And, and I just came home so fired up about what Christ did in my life and, and what that was turning into, that I wanted to go in a full-time ministry. I didn't want my legacy to be touchdowns, home runs, and I told Remy about it, and we had just bought a new house, and our girls at the time were three, now seven, and she wanted to know, like any great wife would, is, well, how are you going to support your family if you go working in full-time ministry? So I reached out to uh, uh, Pastor Kyle Horner at the Connect Church, and Pastor Kyle is uh, uh, he's close to several players on the Eagles. He, he mentors, pastors them, and a bunch of guys go to his church. And um, We met for a coffee at Starbucks, and I told him what I wanted to do. And, and Timmy, Kyle's a big guy. I don't know if you, you've ever met him or, or you saw him on my show. He's a former quarterback at Tennessee before Peyton Manning was there, and then he eventually went to Richmond and was a quarterback there. So he's a big dude, and, and I'm just lucky during this conversation that he didn't use those gigantic hands to slap me upside the head because he said, Rob, you, you don't have to quit your job. God blessed you with this talent, this ability for a purpose, so use your skills and the platform you have and take Jesus to your marketplace because they need you there. And, and those words, take Jesus to your marketplace, hmm. have been really the, the inspiration for everything that I've done since that moment, because it's the best advice I ever received. I didn't realize it at the time. I was taking Jesus to my marketplace. The book, Football Faith and Baseball Faith, which came after it, were already written by 2016. And within a couple months, I had this idea to launch Faith on the Field show. I wanted to interview athletes and have them talk about not what they're doing on the field, but the importance of the, their faith. And my goal was to really penetrate sports radio stations so we can reach a secular audience through these athletes, allow them to be the vehicle to get us into the conversation and reach this audience with a message about hope and love and peace that comes through a relationship with the Lord. And uh, we launched the show um, in 2017, and we are now as of the past couple of weeks, made major announcements that the show is on 97.5 The Fanatic in Philadelphia Sunday mornings, 5 a.m., and we now have been added to uh, 97.9 ESPN Tallahassee on Sunday morning. On Saturdays, we're on 107.5 Live. So it's been an incredible journey, and God has been faithful. 
and we're going to have ups and downs. And, and every time, the, the closer I get or the, the more I am about to do something new, there's always attacks that come our way. And, and we have to remember that, you know, no, no weapon formed against us is going to prosper. And just maintain, stay faithful, and God will direct our steps. Amen. Amen. Rob Motti is our guest. He's the head writer for the Eagles and the Phillies for the Associated Press. And as he was mentioning there, hosts his own program called Faith on the Field, uh, which has these new developments happening, including Sunday mornings on 97.5, the Fanatic 5 to 6, is it, Rob? Full hour? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it is pre-recorded. I am not getting up at 3 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so it's right. Well, you said a lot there, and I wanted to uh, point out one thing also, the advice that Pastor Kyle Horner gave you about taking your your cra- your faith to your craft and, and the fact that you now uh, are just you're continuing to live out the skills that God has given you, uh, being the writer for the Eagles, for the Phillies, uh, and as you mentioned, covering the Flyers in the Stanley Cup final and uh, all those things that God's allowed you to be part of, which is another blessing, a neat opportunity, I'm sure. You've had plenty of folks offer to carry your laptop for you. Uh, you know, you need <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, but, but the point there being that, um, you're able to continue living the life that God gave you that, she, that, I mean, some folks may stop what they're doing and vocationally pursue something that's more removed from the everyday life, uh, whatever, but that's a, that's a pressure off you. Maybe that, I don't know if you, did you feel like you, like, I, I love, I love writing. I enjoy writing and I want to do these things, but I, I feel like I need to do something more important and then. Pastor Horner had dialed it back and said, no, you get to do both. Because the book you wrote, Football Faith, there are some of the players that do talk about that concept of yeah. using their platform, right? That's a big part of football faith. Yeah, and, and you know, I, was, I guess I was so naive in, in where I was in my thinking four years ago because I come back, and this was like quickly after a crusade, and, and I'm on this crusade where all you do is play softball and, and go into prisons and share the gospel. I'm like, wow, to be a full-time uh, missionary to share the gospel, it's going to take uh, a lot of sacrifice. And, and I thought, well, the sacrifice is going to have to be my job because this is what I would have to do. And, and I, I, it didn't even dawn on me the idea that, hey, you, you're, you're exactly where God wants you to be. So there's no reason to give up the blessings and the career that you have Look for opportunities because it's needed. It's right there. It's needed. And as as those words, as Pastor Kyle gave me that advice, and I started to think on it and pray on it and talk to Remy about it, I I realized how important it is. And, and Timmy, you know from your experience in the press box, in the media, um, on different radio shows, that it's necessary, that it's, it's very important. And I think one of the more satisfying things or rewarding things now is because not only is Faith on the Field show on 97.5 The Fanatic, but I've also been there for over two years doing sports talk radio. And I'm able to do sports talk radio from a perspective where I'm not just giving a hot take and coming on and yelling and screaming, but I try and and reel people back into some sense of reality and what the athletes are thinking or who they are and what why they arrive at these decisions. And, And why exactly is a guy like Carson Wentz not going to get so rattled by a lot of the noise surrounding him, and it's because he's centered in his faith. And or why is JT Realmuto not going to be angry and bitter and resentful that he didn't get a contract extension from the Phillies? Well, it's because he's rooted in his faith. And in fact, he told me a couple of weeks ago for uh, our first debut episode, 
on the fanatic that he he really him and his wife pray about it because they know they they can't control that outcome and they feel that God is going to direct their steps and put them exactly where he wants them to be. So I think it's important to be able to have that platform and and tell these stories of these players, but not only through Faith on the Field show, but through the time slots that I have. And now it's going to be consistent Saturday night, 6 to 10 on the Fanatic that I do sports. And, And it's very satisfying, very rewarding when people appreciate that. You know, when they send me messages and say, Hey, you know, I was on when Kobe Bryant died, and I was that day, man. It was tough for everybody on the radio and the city, and and we we grieved together, we mourned together on the air, and and I brought this perspective of, and I had Kevin Harvey on, who's the Sixers team chaplain, yeah. and, and Crystal Rich was on the show, and Crystal's a media personality, but also a follower of Christ, and we talked about. Um, perspective and where we are in our walk and 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 so many I you know normally you, you get one or two or three or four people who reach out and say some good things kind things but the next day as I'm flying to the Super Bowl I'm inundated with all these messages from I'm so glad you were on because it really it really hit home for me that the conversations you were having after Kobe's death and what's perspective to provide and a, a godly perspective and uh those opportunities man i wouldn't have had i decided well i'm gonna quit everything i'm doing and look for a way to go off and be a missionary somewhere now i don't want anyone to get the wrong idea that if if that's what you if that's what god's calling you to do if you feel you need to pack your bags and go to haiti or go to another country and do different types of missionary work that's what God's calling you to do, but I think it takes uh, a lot of introspective um, conversations with yourself and prayer to decide what's best for you. Mm. But it's very important to also take Jesus to our marketplace in every profession. It's not just me in sports with a microphone and a notepad. I think, Timmy, it's very important for the listeners to understand that they can do it, too, in their job, in, in their business um, office. And uh, I know now it's different with COVID and people working from home, but there's opportunities in our own home. There's opportunities in our neighborhood. There's opportunities everywhere to look for ways to take Jesus to our marketplace. Amen. Well said. Rob Motti, our guest today on the Tim DeMoss Show. He's the head writer for the Associated Press for both the Phillies and the Eagles for a couple of decades. And among other things, has a book out called Football Faith. We're giving away. Check it out in our contests and surveys page at WFIL.com. Quick break. Keep our chat going. Just a moment. WFIL. Live and local. It's the Tim DeMoss Show weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Our guest today, Rob Motti. He is the head writer for the Associated Press for both the Phillies and the Eagles. He has a book called Football Faith. We're giving away. Check it out in our contests and surveys page. We're chatting about a lot of other cool stuff, too. want to take a second to talk, uh, talk about your craft, specifically. And one slice of that is you're writing game stories. A game like yesterday, you have the Eagles and the Rams, and, and the Eagles are you know losing by quite a large margin, and, and you're not wondering who's going to win. By the, by the end, you already know. However, you have a game like the Seahawks and Patriots later yesterday, where the outcome is very much in doubt up until the end. What's it like writing a story where you're not even sure how it's going to end, and yet you have to file that story 
you know, right after the game pretty much. Yeah, and the, uh, the goal is within three minutes of the game ending that we have to be on the wire with the first version of our story. Wow. And with covering the NFL, you have to do two different stories, but you, you do one from the winning team's perspective, you do one from the losing team's perspective, and then you update both of those. Uh, with a game like the Seahawks, Patriots and how that came down to the last play and and also with maybe baseball games that go in extra innings. So what I do is I have two screens open and I have the bulk of your story is going to be the same, but it's going to be the first two graphs, the first three graphs that are probably that are going to be different depending on who wins the game. So sometimes I anticipate a ending. So, for example, Bryce Harper walks up to the plate in the bottom of the 11th inning or 10th inning or whatever it is, and I've already written on my screen, Bryce Harper hit, hit a, a two-run home run to win the game. Da, da, da. This way, it's all written. All I have to do is delete it. It doesn't happen, yeah. but now I'm ahead of the game. So I, I've been able to, to, to get ahead of it that way and do things like that, but you have to, you have to anticipate because if you're reacting to what you're seeing – then we're going to be slower, and and with our with our guidelines and rules and mandates, hey, we need you to be quick, efficient, and on the wire, and then go back and update. That that's probably been the key for me. But it, I've been doing it for 21 years, and um, it, it at this point, it just it comes it's natural. Um, I'll tell you though, my first couple of years, no, there was a, a lot of work. I, I remember covering the Flyers uh, playoff game when Eric Lindros got knocked out by Scott Stevens on yep. that concussion. And that was my that was my first year and, and that was whew, that was a tough, tough day to write. I didn't I didn't I was all over the place as a young writer. So um yeah. you, you grow, you learn and and uh, and I think it's uh it becomes a, it becomes something that's second nature. Yeah. Well so it's a preparation I guess on your part and that goes back to honing your craft. Is there anything in particular you you uh for those who might be interested in journalism and or media related, whether it's sports or something else as far as a few mantras in your mind as sort of preparation goes or, or anything that you try to work by to help your, your craft be what it is? I would tell everyone to, to practice, to continue to, even if you don't have an opportunity where to write in print nowadays with blogs and everything else, just continue to work, continue to practice, continue to hone your skills, continue to do anything you possibly can. And also uh, volunteer. You know, volunteer as much as you can because look look for ways where you get in as an intern or as someone who maybe it is an opportunity to hold the microphone or, or whatever it may be. But look for ways that you can get your foot in the door and then build relationships, build relationships. And you know, find that's important is is as far as who you look up to and who you try and seek advice from. There are a lot of people who are not going to give you a lot of information, so move on. Look for the people who are willing, who are open, who are very helpful, and I try and do that with a lot of the young people I see now because I look around and I see in the press box there's some youngsters, and, and you know, the, the press box could be clicky sometimes, and it could be uh, what old-school writers are looking at, bloggers or, or others in, in a different way, and they don't want to – I don't – I feel like we we got to reach out and help as many people as we can. So when someone's willing to help you, go for it and and be be kind and be respectful. Amen. That's good stuff. Rob Motti, our guest for a little while longer. The book that we're going to talk about here now because we're giving it away and we want to make sure folks have a taste of what it's about. It's called Football Faith. You also wrote one called Baseball Faith. 
one called Birds of Prey about the Eagles and and their uh, their championship. And, um, and we had you on when that book first came out. I think you wrote a book um, with Mike Schmidt as well, right? Yes, uh, uh, the Mike Schmidt book was the uh, one of the first ones I did. I did three children's books: Randy Johnson, Roberto Clemente, and Oscar De La Hoya with my cousin Susan. And then Mike Schmidt, it was a biography on Mike Schmidt. That came out in 2010. Okay. Wow, 2010. And then Football Faith through uh, the help of your brother, Bob DeMoss. Uh, he was the, the originally the, the um, brought that on to his publishing company, and then it grew into Baseball Faith. And then after that, I did it. I also did once um, – wrote the month of March for a men's devotional, which was pretty cool. <laughs> I really enjoyed that more than uh, uh, a, a lot of other of the inviting activities I've ever done. And then Birds of Perth, of course, when the Eagles won the Super Bowl in 2017. Yeah. Well, on the and I can I can attest to the fact that with football faith, I remember being at the Novacare Complex covering the Eagles part-time uh, back then, and you were in the process of trying to get these 52 athletes and coaches to put their part in the book. And even that, and having perhaps waivers and all kinds of stuff. And just, it's it's very different, I'm sure, than writing one book with Mike Schmidt directly compared to 52 different people in multiple cities. And uh, what, so yeah. what, what do you want me to say? What is, what is it about? And what is it, why do you need this? <laughs> I'm sure you got tons of questions just for an appreciation standpoint as folks perhaps uh, either buy the book or win the book that they'd be aware that a ton goes into getting 52, I'm sure, uh, you know, guests for the pro for, for the book. But uh, you have any, yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah, it was fun because some of those involved, like I, I would go to, I went to Baltimore. I was covering um, Ravens before they were in one of their Super Bowls and got a chance to talk to players. And sometimes, you know, it's I'm afforded the opportunity with AP that I get to travel a little bit. Uh, now I cover a lot of, now, now what's really cool is I, I cover all the Super Bowls and, and I host um, the AP Pro Football Podcast, which just launched last week, but I used to do it only Super Bowl week for the row, and now we're going to do it year round. So when I go to the Radio Row opportunity and I do these interviews, man, I have like 50, 60 interviews, and this year alone I had so many Hall of Famers that I was able to interview and talk about their faith for faith on the field, but mm-hmm. I was also doing the football stuff. And I go, wow, I could easily do another football faith because I'm getting opportunities and being out there. But when I was doing football faith, I didn't have that. So it was a little bit more uh, effort going into finding 52 players. And, and now I probably have maybe – I probably could do another one or four more books because I've spoken about two, 300 athletes <laughs> over the, for the past three years for these shows. Just tuning in, Rob Motti is our guest on the Tim DeMoss Show today, longtime writer for the Associated Press for both the Phillies and the Eagles, done a lot of other sports. Books he's written as well include Football Faith, which we're giving away on our contest and surveys page. Get yourself entered for that at WFIL.com. We'll wrap up our chat in just a second. Thanks for hanging out today with WFIL. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL? Email Timmy D at WFIL.com. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Rob Motti is our guest. He's a longtime writer for the Associated Press, for the Phillies, and for the Eagles, a bunch of other things as well. And he's written a book called Football Faith. We're talking about 52 NFL stars reflect on their faith. Each chapter has a full-color photo, also some statistics and a favorite Bible verse, and some thoughts by the player in question. Any player in particular stand out as you put Football Faith together, Rob? Nick Foles stands out to me the most because when I asked Nick Foles, this was his rookie year, 
and it was before he had that great season where he threw 27 touchdowns and two interceptions and uh, under Chip Kelly in 2013, and then two more touchdowns in the uh, in the playoff game, and then eventually goes on and leaves and comes back, and he's the uh, Super Bowl MVP. But this was 2012, I guess it was, his rookie year, and his favorite Bible verse was, humble yourself under the mighty hand of the Lord so he may lift you up in due time. And mm. and I look back on it, that's, that's been Nick throughout his entire journey. When he was a rookie non-starter, when he took over as the starter, an injured Michael Vick, when he got benched, when he contemplated retirement, when he was tripped, uh, as uh, when he came back, when he won the Super Bowl, he has always humbled himself, and and ultimately the Lord lifted him up in due time, so he could tell his story, share his platform, his his phenomenal, powerful story on the platform that he was given, and and if you listen to any Nick Foles news conference, maybe during Super Bowl week or any time that he has that opportunity in front of a microphone as a starting quarterback, it's almost like a short sermon within an answer <laughs> yeah. to a news conference. And and that's that that's just Nick. That's who he is, and he's never changed. And and that's why um, I, I've always really respected him tremendously. One of my favorite athletes to ever cover. First Peter five six, I think was a was, and I thought that yeah. too when I read his. Like man, that's that's his whole career in that verse. Yeah. First First Peter five six. Other Eagles include David Akers. You have folks like Randall Cunningham, great players like Kurt Warner from other teams, Mike Singletary of the Bears. Uh, one thing that folks may read and pick up on as they read through football faith is varying maturity levels. Let's put it that way. Spiritually speaking, some of the answers are deep, and others you can tell maybe their players just sprouting up a little bit. That's exactly right, and and we're all at different levels. And when it comes to what's your favorite Bible verse, right? For example, well, what's speaking to me in 2012 might not be the same as it is in 2018, and you know, or what I'm going right. through at that moment, my life is might be different than it, it is, and and we all. I, I would hope that we all continue to grow and walk uh, with the Lord and mature in our journey. And, and if you're ever if you're ever in the same exact place you are that you were two years ago and four years ago, you got to examine. Um, you know, I want to change. I want to grow. Right. I want to be better every day. I, I want to be. I ultimately my my prayer every single day. Is, is John three thirty? He must be greater. I must be less. I I literally pray this with my children and with my wife, and I say I want to be more like Jesus and less like me. Some days I do a good job of it. Some days I I'm terrible at it. And and, and I think when when you look at some of these stories, these players will go, oh well, he he said this or he said that, but look at him here. Well, none of perfect. Only Jesus was perfect. So to ex- have the expectation of a Christian athlete being perfect. It's flawed thinking. We're all right. going to fail, and we're all going to make mistakes. Absolutely. Hopefully we are gracious with each other, pray for each other, and encourage each other along as we seek to please him. How about one other player that comes to mind uh, when you were putting football faith together that perhaps surprised you or or solidified things, uh, your impression of them from afar as you got to know them when putting the book together? Uh, Russell Wilson, I think, for this um you know, he was early in his journey, and, and you now get to look back and see he's so sincere. He's very genuine, and he's a guy who I think also might be one of the more underrated players, as great as he is. He's never even received a single MVP vote for the MVP award. Uh, I think really? at some point that changed. Yeah, he's never even had one MVP vote. He's always uh, he's always up there in the upper tier, but there was someone else who even doesn't even get one vote. But to, to see who he is as a person 
and to to hear him talk about his faith, the sincerity, his his genuine uh, love for the Lord is really evident, and and it's great to see him continue in that walk and continue to his journey and and walk and stronger and more mature. By the way, he did throw five touchdown passes yesterday, didn't he? He sure did. <laughs> it's not bad. He's a pretty, and the way he handles himself in the interview is just so gracious all the time. And if you just, if you watch that last night, I'm watching that game going, wow, what a great player. And, and you're answering these questions like with, uh, I guess, I think it's Michelle Tafoya after the game. And he's just so gracious and, and so genuine. He's a really uh, one of those guys that you can is very easy to root for, even though he's not on your team if you're in the Philadelphia Eagles market. Well, and the fact that he beat the Patriots, I'm sure, will sit well with a number of Philadelphia Eagles fans. <laughs> <laughs> He's the last chapter, 52 out of 52 in your book. And uh, just to cycle back to something you said as we wrap up our chat together, he, uh, he, just a fun fact, he says, I chose the number three for my jersey with the Seattle Seahawks to honor the Holy Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Spirit, Holy Spirit. Uh, and then he goes on to talk from there. It's kind of a neat little tidbit. Uh, but then he says, more importantly, I truly believe God gave me a tremendous gift and I'm trying to use it to the best of my ability and give honor to Jesus and give him all the glory because I wouldn't be where I am without him. I tweet Bible verses every day. You have to stand for something. And he has given me this tremendous platform. And that gets back to a bit of what you had talked about using the platform God's given you as a writer for the Associated Press for all these years and many other things that you do. Uh, to use it, to not separate necessarily, but you're using your skills and, and God-given vocational opportunities and mind, the mind he's given you to bring him that glory and to use your platform that way. So so keep up the good work, man. As unto him. Thank you, brother, and I appreciate your influence and how much of an important factor that you have played in my life and in my walk. So thank you for all that you have done, and uh, God bless you and your family. Amen. God bless you, too. God, glory to God, and uh, please greet your lovely wife and beautiful girls for us, all right? Will do, Timmy. All right, Will thanks, do. Rob. Have a great rest of your day. Rob Motti, the head writer for the Associated Press for the Phillies and Eagles, radio talk show host, and many other things, including Child of God, Loves the Lord a Lot, and has this book out called Football Faith. We're giving away copies in our contests and surveys page. Check it out at WFIL.com. Jim Maxim, Acts 413 Ministries, leads in prayer next. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 to 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.